Alrighty, well let's get started. Who is happy to be here? That was like, that's louder than last service. There's a lot more people in here, so I'm impressed. I'm expecting good things. You guys are, you know, third service for whatever reason, you're like my quiet crowd. Just look at me a lot. So I'm actually expecting it now. It's only taken two years to figure that out. Okay, um, let's, uh, let's pray. Uh, you want to just hold hands with the person next to you? If you uh, intentionally picked your seat, you can just, you can just squeeze. It means I want to get coffee after this. A lot of dating happening right now, huh? I can just hear it, those giggles. Lord, we exalt your name. Lord, I thank you that we are not just here to be with you, but we are here to be with each other at the same time. And I ask, Lord, that you will move in this room and to another and to another and to another. And that Holy Spirit, you will anoint us as your people. I ask that you will whisper all throughout these next minutes, God, that even as the sermon's being preached, that you are speaking and moving and anointing and, and just landing upon your people. God, we are the objects of your adoration. And I ask, God, that we there will be love encounters even in this room. God, it's not even the sermon tonight, but I ask that you just will encounter us even more deeply, God, that you will open the eyes of our heart with wisdom and revelation to see Jesus in a way that we have yet uh, to see him. God, I thank you for the wonder of what's taking place in this church tonight, that you are speaking, God, that you've humbled yourself as the high king of heaven to come and be with us and to speak through human beings and to breathe your life into this place. God, we are humbled to be here. God, we just want to tremble with an expectation of what are you to do? What are you to say? We are hanging on every word that comes from from your mouth, Jesus. So speak, for your sons and daughters are listening. We are inclining our ears, God. We are coming to the river that we can drink and be filled of your peaceful voice tonight, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So my message tonight will uh, be a good tension point with last week's message. I think truth is often held in, and not that you just need two points necessarily, but if you, um, who was here last week? Who wasn't here last week? Oh, not very many of you. That's good. Or you're just lying to me. Make me feel good. Um, you, uh, you could listen. If you weren't here, I'd encourage listen to last week's message. I think they're good, kind of a push-pull off of each other. Um, but I want to talk uh, tonight uh, about the topic of uh, spiritual promotion. What do you guys think of that? Yeah. Okay. All right. So in Philippians uh, chapter 3, verse 14, Paul says, I, I ask, you know, I'm, I'm seeking uh, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Right, so Paul uh, is really giving a lot of things in this verse, but one of the things that I appreciate about it is that he's giving us permission to desire more from God. Right, and I think a modern day expression of this prayer would be, you know, I want to be used in a greater way by God. Right, 
who's prayed that prayer, said that prayer, wants that prayer, right? The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Um, I think that this is something that is very natural. And I think that when we see God moving upon uh, any individual in a certain way, it should be a bit of a provoking experience. There's, There's a godly jealousy should rise up like, I want that in my life. Right? Like, I want God to use me. And I think that is a very, very healthy emotional response to seeing God move through human beings. Right? Because we're human beings. They're human beings. If God can use them, God can use me. Like, we should experience this. There is unhealthy behavior that comes out of that where we can operate in jealousy, operate in ambition, operate in things that are of the flesh, and that is destruction. So I'm not advocating that. I'm simply blessing that you have desire and permission to ask God for promotion, right? I want to be used by you in a greater capacity. So I want to cast some vision and maybe even recondition our thinking about this topic of spiritual promotion to really grant permission and hopefully designate a path to pursue it in a healthy way. Does that sound good? Okay. So I found um, that this, you know, it's, it's very common saying around Riverhouse circles where people say, you know, it's, it's amazing how God is moving through Riverhouse, right? That is a widely accepted statement amongst anyone that's been here um, for any amount of time. We have seen tremendous growth in our church. We have seen tremendous things take place abroad in India. We have seen a tremendous transformation, heart transformations, lives transformed. I mean, we, we, I hear testimonies all the time. God God is moving in Riverhouse. But I want to personalize that because I've discerned had other people share, and I feel like this question can hang sometimes within our hearts, which is, what does that mean for me? Like, is God going to use me? Right? I recognize God is here, and perhaps I've been transformed here, but is God going to use me to be an agent of transformation? Like, does that make sense? Does that resonate? What, what's God, how's God going to use me? Right? So I want to talk about what is the upward call of God. Right? And, and because sometimes I have found that in that tension of in that question, it will lead to frustration, discouragement, and even hopelessness. It's like this, when's God going to use me? I don't think God's ever going to use me. Like, I'm frustrated. It doesn't seem to be working. And I, we can almost work ourselves into like a spiritual pity party. Anybody been there? Yeah. You're using that person? I'm way more qualified, Lord. <laughs> you ever thought that? Yeah. Uh, we probably wouldn't pray that, but we know we thought it before. <laughs> I know I am. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so I just want to offer some thoughts that I don't want us to stay in frustration, hopelessness. God has given us a desire for the upward call because he intends to fulfill that desire. But we need to understand how do I partner with him in that process? All right. So my first kind of thought that I want to throw out is that we have to understand the nature of divine favor. All right. Let's say that divine favor. Say it like you really don't know what it means. Say it like you're just so excited about it. Oh, my gosh. Divine favor. That's what we're talking about. Okay. So divine favor. 
we have to understand the nature of divine favor, right? So first, what is favor? In the Greek, that word is charis, uh, which means grace. So grace and favor are actually kind of used intermittently throughout the New Testament, right? And grace is often defined as unmerited favor. And I would add to the definition of grace is that it is the empowering presence of of God, right? So when I'm talking about favor, I'm not talking about some type of ethereal spiritual luck. Like, give me some favor, Lord, right? Help me out. Like, let me win the spiritual lottery, okay? That's not favor. Favor is the manifest grace of God upon a human being, right? It is when God chooses to reveal his presence in a particular public way upon a person. Right? Does that make sense? So when favor, when God is evident upon a life, doors open. Right? Jesus Christ is the hope of nations. He is the yearning of every human heart. So when God reveals himself upon an individual, people might not know that I, I'm experiencing God on you, but there's just there's something that is attractive about you. Does that make sense? Right? So we have to understand the nature of divine favor. Right? So Luke 2, 552, 2, I said this one. I said that in the 3 o'clock service, 2, 552. I'm like, what am I doing? Luke 2, 52, okay? Chapter 2, verse 52 says this. Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Right, so Jesus, fully man, fully God, actually grew in favor with God. Kind of interesting, right? I don't want to go into all the dynamics of what I think that means, but I do believe that Jesus is modeling for us this idea that if Jesus needed to grow in favor with God, so do we. Does that make sense? Is that fair? Right, so Jesus, this is kind of crazy thing, until he was 30, lacked the favor necessary to fulfill his calling until he was 30 years old. Right, this is what the scripture shows us. He didn't perform any miracles, privately, fully God, but he did not have the favor he needed till he was 30 years old. He got baptized. The prophet John the Baptist saw the manifest presence of God come upon him, and then he was exalted publicly in the sight of Israel, given a platform, and he could then go and fulfill the calling which he had the day he was born. Right? It's the same pattern in the disciples. He finds them, like the first day, you're going to be fishers of men, gives them their calling. You're going to turn the world upside down, right? It, he knew what they were called to do. But those disciples lacked the favor they needed to fulfill that calling till three and a half years later on the day of Pentecost, when the manifest presence of God came upon them, they were exalted in the sight of Israel, and they began to minister. You follow me? Jesus, or Peter wasn't like, guys... I'm going to be a crusade preacher. Let's put flyers all around the streets of Jerusalem. Call them to that field. I'm going to preach a sermon like they never heard before. Right? No, he, he didn't make anything happen. God exalted him by favor. Right? And this is the point I'm trying to make with favor is that God, it's the favor of God that actually positions people and puts them into the platform, the places with the anointing, with the resources, with the connections they need to fulfill what they've been called to do. 
right? This is the uncomfortable truth in the calling journey is that we receive our calling before we receive the favor we need to fulfill the calling. So we get trapped and we become a prisoner of hope, right? So we receive the calling, but we don't have the favor to fulfill the calling, right? And what happens is we get cast, we become a prisoner of hope, and we get stuck in this place where God has given us two choices. One is we can now, I'm talking to Christians tonight, right? I, I know what God's calling me to do. And so I can either try to self-promote my way into fulfilling that, or I can learn the process of growing in favor. Okay? So when we self-promote, what we're doing is I'm using my own will and my own desires, and I'm going to try really hard to make something happen. I'm going to try really hard to do what God called me to do. He, he called me to start this business. He called me to, you know, uh, I'm supposed to be married. I'm going I'm to make that happen, man. Right? He, he, I, I have a passion to see, you know, a healing center. I have a passion to yada, yada, yada. We have all these dreams. We have these passions. I'm going to try to make them happen myself and we will as Christians often can justify operating out of my own ambition but like oh but this is what God's called me to do right we go out first and what happens is then we can we can build things we have the ability to do quite a bit we can make things happen but there will always be anxiety and striving because we're the ones making it happen so when we stop striving we won't ever rest because when I stop it's going to fall apart so it's all built on my, my willpower, right? So uh, we don't want to go that path. I could go a lot more into self-promotion, um, but it ultimately, in self-promotion, we forsake momentum for movement. We forsake movement for momentum, rather. And so instead of actually having this massive force of the momentum of God on our lives, we actually are just doing a bunch of motion, and it's around the same mountain in the wilderness, because God will not exalt our self-striving efforts and take us into the promised land. He will lead us there himself. It is a gift he wants us to receive. It is not something that we work and earn and strive for, right? So we, we have to forsake. We have to say no to operating out of like, oh, things aren't happening like I want them to happen. I'm just going to try harder to make it happen. Right? And we have to embrace, okay, what is the path of actually growing in favor like Jesus did, like Samuel did? Uh, we have to recognize a need to grow in favor, right? Um, when I was uh, a little boy, you know, when my mom would be having quote-unquote adult conversations, she would, this would always be her generic response to me if I said, well, I want to know what you're talking about. She'd say, well, you know, there's a story of a, a man who was with his little girl at a train station, and the little girl had her little suitcase, and the dad had his big, heavy suitcase. And the girl said, Dad, I want to I wanna carry your suitcase. And he would say, oh, no, honey, like, it's too heavy for you. You can't carry that yet. And as a little kid, you know, my question was always, what's in that suitcase? <laughs> you know, so my mom would be like, Mom, what are you talking about? Do you remember the suitcase, Jordan? I'd be like, what's in that thing? Right, that was always my question, you know. But oftentimes, when we, we become prisoners of hope, I have this passion, I, I, I have this dream for what I want God to do through my life, what he even told me he's going to do through my life, and we say, God, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? I want to I wanna do this. When's the, the dream going to be fulfilled? When's the ministry going to happen? When's the business going to start? When's heavy? When, 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 when? And God has to say, no, 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 it's too heavy. 
It's too heavy of a suitcase, son. It's too heavy of a suitcase. You can't hold that yet. Because you haven't walked the process of growing in favor, which is the process of character development. And because you don't have the character development, you cannot actually sustain the weight of the promotion of the glory and the manifest presence of God resting upon your life. It would destroy you because you do not have the fortitude you need to steward my promotion, the weight of the blessing that I desire to give you because you do not yet have the character of Christ. Right, The favor, the grace of God, his primary concern is to transform you into the image of Jesus. So study Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. That is what he is like on the inside. Right? And Jesus is the high favored one of heaven. And we have an identity in him. And God wants us to go on a process of being transformed into his image because God has no problem trusting Jesus with favor. He knows what Jesus will do. He always stewards it with humility. He always stewards it so that other people will be blessed. He always stewards promotion in a way that brings glory to God. And as we submit and say, okay, I'm not going to promote, try to make all my things happen in my life. I'm going to yield to this process of allowing you to grow me and root me in the character and the love of Christ. He actually puts the fortitude within us that we can sustain and steward the promotion that he's desiring to give. Right? Joseph had a dream as a 17-year-old, went on a long journey of character development. In Psalm 105, it's talking about Joseph in the dungeon. If you were to read the Young's literal translation, it says this, Iron hath entered his soul. In other words, iron, he was strengthened, so it was like iron in his bones so that when the weight of a nation came upon him he had the fortitude he needed to steward it and continue walking in righteousness in purity in character giving glory to God and not to man are you following me right so we have to say no to this external push to make things happen and we have to say yes to the process of like an acorn seed you're going to be a tree one day. The acorn doesn't go, okay, then I'm going to just shoot up as fast as I can. Down, down, deep, a deep movement that's hidden from that public eye. That is the process of growing in favor. That is, the Lord, I mean, I've shared this before, but the Lord one day said, write down all your promises. Write them all down. Da, 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 da. And he said, what kind of person would do and fulfill all those promises? Went through the fruit of the Spirit. Well, they look like that, 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 that. And I was like, man, that'd be a man of God right there. And I started going like, oh, that's not me yet. That's not, that's definitely not that, that. You know, and I was like, whoa, I'm not quite there. The Lord said, yeah. He said, you're not quite there, but that's who I see you to be. He said, if you will consume yourself with yielding to my grace, humbling yourself under my hand, and allowing me to transform you into that man, he said, I will take care of the promises. We, we want to push, push to make, self-promote. Let me get my hands on it. Let me make it happen. Let me just remind God of his promise he gave me. No, he knows. 
the biggest way, the best way that you can remind him, the best way that you can stir his heart is I'm going to humble myself under your hand. I'm going to accept the reality that the reason I'm frustrated is because I don't have the favor I need yet. His presence is not yet on me in a way that I am empowered to fulfill the call he's given me. This is not a microwave journey. This is a slow rhythm of grace. And we got to get in that rhythm of grace so that we start growing in favor. If Jesus needed 30 years, we need a few ourselves. So instead of getting frustrated, instead of getting offended with God, why isn't it happening? Why aren't my circumstances the way I want them to be? Why, why, why is God using that person? Why is that person getting promotion? Do you remember me? Why, 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 why? We spend so much time in the external. God's just saying, just stop. Stop whining. You can't carry this yet. The reason I'm not letting you do it quickly is because this is a big burden. This is a big blessing. There's a way to glory that I have a portion for you. Don't, 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 get, don't be an orphan who says, oh, I have this great dream that's never going to get fulfilled. No, he put a desire in you for the upward call of Christ Jesus. But you cannot step into that overnight. You got to submit, say, I will embrace the process of character development. I will embrace the process of becoming pure. I will humble myself and glean from your grace in any way that I can. That's the position, that's the posture where you grow in favor. All right, so that was, I wasn't planning to talk that long on that. My next thought. I want to give as we're reconditioning our thought here of spiritual promotion is I believe that we need a redefining of our understanding of church, right? Uh, we, we say this a lot, but I don't think we understand how deeply ingrained into our thinking, our subconscious, our conscious mind, the idea of church as an institution, as a place, as a meeting space, like we have it very deeply integrated into our thinking. So we will say things like, yeah, the church is a, it's a body. And then it's a building, but it's a body. Or, you know, it's a, it's a people. It's a, it's, we'll say those things, but we still will act and think thoughts that, are, that don't align with that. Does this make sense? There's a really deep chasm in our thinking as Western Christians about the nature of church. We have seen it first as a building and then the body's kind of like, yeah, that's a good metaphor, right? When God is actually primarily reveals the church as the bride and as the body of Christ, as a people, right? It's an organism. It's living. It's breathing. It's mystical. You can't understand it. We're all one. We're all connected to Jesus somehow. He's the head. We're the body, right? So we, we and I believe it's easier for us to actually, as Westerns, church is a building, intellect, ration, we can understand church as a building. I can understand church as an organizational structure. Yeah, you have the pastors, the elders, this, that. I can, I can understand that. I cannot understand the body. That makes sense? Unless you can, maybe you can come up here and preach because it's, it's hard to wrap your head around. It's a mystical idea. Not mystical like fairy tales. Mystical like mysterious 
right? There's mystery in this calling of the church as a body. But if we look at the church primarily as a body, it actually changes our grid on what spiritual promotion is. And I want to explain this, right? So the building block of every human body, or really any body, is a cell. At the cellular level, that is where um, things are created that, you know, then will create your hands, your eyes, whatever. It's in the cellular level. And cells have uh, this coding called DNA that code the cells on how to create and form in such a way that they will, you know, create their intended body part, right? You want, anybody else? You got me? Anybody else? Okay. So I want to make sure. I know this is a little complicated. <laughs> I'm like, oh boy, it's been a long time since I was in biology, so... Bear with me. So we have cells, and then the DNA is what codes cells. Okay, so when a church starts, and I'm just talking about a local church at this point, you have um, an individual or sometimes a, 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 a small group of individuals that receive DNA from God, kingdom DNA, about a vision to build a church. And when I say DNA, I'm talking about a promise, I'm talking about a vision. In 1 John, it says that the word, that, uh, the word of God, uh, his seed, it says his seed abides in us. And that word seed is actually sperma in the Greek. That might be offensive, but that's what the Bible says, right? So God is, he's, he's putting holy seed that actually has DNA, his DNA, kingdom DNA. He speaks to an individual. He gives a coding to create a church, right? And then that individual um, will speak, and then usually it will be, there will be a first cell that is formed from a first-generation group of believers around the, 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 the person that has the DNA coding. Are you following me? So at like this church, like me and my mom, probably the ones with DNA, we had a small group of individuals, and we created this nucleus of a church, and there's, you know, the cell was forming, and then uh, what happens is then all of a sudden from that, people, other people started coming, and uh, it, the, everything was birthed out of that first cell. Are you following me? Then all these people came on the outside of the cell. So get that picture in your mind. Okay, so if we view what I just described there, which is a very, very base definition, like I'm not trying to be literal here. I'm just putting language here. It's a metaphor. If I view that as the church as an organization, as the church as an institution, this is what I, this is what I discern from it. Well, the person with the DNA, they're the most powerful. And then that first cell, they're the ones that are connected. Then the ones that come after that, they're further away. And we start forming this ladder of hierarchy, right? And so we start viewing promotion as how do I get more interconnected into that, into that place, into that inner place, right? And wherever you are on that ladder, which is never spoken about, it's just kind of everyone kind of pieces it together of their own logic, right? That's, that's your level of spiritual promotion. Are you following me? So what we'll do, we'll read Paul's letter, you know, uh, oh, I want the upper call of Christ Jesus, and we don't realize it, but we have been programmed that, that it's, that's what upper call looks like somehow on that hierarchy. When we look at the churches in, as an institution, the only people with that DNA, we would say, oh, that's like a worship pastor, a preacher, or a missionary, right? So we have like this very religious boxed view of what this means to be used powerfully and again this is a lot of this is unconscious thinking this is just what we've been ingrained to think and so it's figuring out okay you know where where am I on this kind of this ladder you follow me 
Okay, so that is a problem for a lot of reasons, and I'm not going to go into all of them, but it is not the primary way we are to perceive church. So I want to look now at the same thing from the perspective of looking at the church as if it is a body and an organism, right? So what do cells do in our body? Right, they start multiplying, and actually, everything within that cell begins to reproduce itself, even to the DNA strand. And then, when it's all, then they break off, and then the cell actually has two of everything. And then, bloop, you got two cells. Right? There's there's a reproductive nature of cellular. That's what cells do. That's what they're formed to do. And we are a body. Right? We are, are called to multiply. Right? And last fall, I shared the vision of the church, which we have these revival groups, and basically shared that last fall we were like a single cell still, and then we blooped, and we made some more cells. And we created, in doing that, we created more capacity for people to actually have pivotal positions of spiritual leadership forming and shaping the culture and we've empowered people to take the same DNA coding but to create other subcultures that express that DNA through them which looks different from group to group right and we actually successfully um, went to a multi-cell community Right? And that's exciting, right? And actually the biggest need and probably where I'm putting most of my time these days is to continue multiplying that so that we can get more cells and we have more capacity for leadership within the church. Does it make sense? Okay, we also, just if I was just to like throw some vision for you, there will be more spaces where I believe people are going to be raised up with their own ministries, sent out itinerant ministers. I believe that other churches are going to get sent out. I believe that other, you know, there's just going to be sending missionary organizations. They're going to be sending, and that's exciting. There's going to be space for more people to have leadership within the church. Does that make sense? That's exciting, but it is still grossly incomplete and so lacking the full picture and the full wisdom of God because there is still a very limited amount of spiritual leadership positions within a church, okay? There's only a limited quantity. Not every single person that is a part of Riverhouse is gonna be on the stage preaching one day. Are you following me? Not everyone's gonna be a revival group leader. Not everyone's gonna, like, there's still a very limited supply. And when we're looking at it through this institution, it's like, oh, yeah, there's only going to be some powerful, you know, and, and I'm just, I can only get on this level of the ladder, right? That's how we think of it when we see this institution. That is not what God sees because I believe that the spiritual promotion that God is wanting to break out of our religious box is instead of looking for more influence within the church, God is wanting his people to recognize, I'm wanting to give you influence in the city, I'm wanting to give you influence in the culture. I'm wanting to manifest my glory on you in such a way that in the marketplace, people want to know what you have. I want to use you in the, in the family. I want to use you in the school. I want to use you in public office. I want to manifest on you in such a way that I open doors no man can shut for you to bring my kingdom. Amount of influence. Wait. There is a limitless amount of influence waiting for you to realize out there in the cities that God has called us to serve. Right, And this is where it starts getting exciting. I believe that God is not just dreaming for the church to get bigger. 
He is dreaming for the people to get bigger, for the people to raise up, to have the character of Christ that can steward so much favor in such a way that gives glory to God out there. Right, this is the beautiful thing about Riverhouse. Everybody, you know, we've noticed, okay, wow, there's momentum on Riverhouse. There's momentum in India. There's momentum in all the things we do. There's just grace upon it, right? It, there's attracting people coming from across the country, people tuning in. We have a, like a national, like we look on the podcast, it's from like 42 states last week and, and over and overseas and other, and we're like, how? Right? There's just grace. God is releasing a river through this house. Literally, it's well named, right? Good job, Lord. Right? So we're recognizing this. We're recognizing that this DNA that God has deposited is bearing a lot of fruit in the church context. Right? Do we, do we recognize that? Okay. It's a kingdom DNA that God has deposited. So, so this is what that means. In the same way that this DNA that God has given and it's bearing fruit in the church, God wants that fruit to be a prophetic promise to you that says, look, if you will eat of this fruit, if you will imbibe in the same DNA, it will result in the same type of fruit out there. Right, So the same momentum that's being released through this organization of Riverhouse Church will be released through you in the marketplace, in the government, in your families, in your homes. Anywhere he's calling you, this kingdom DNA will bear fruit. Right? I think we need to break this religious box where it's like people are like, oh yeah, of course God's with you, Jordan. You're a pastor building the church. No, he's with you the same way when you're working at the bank. He's with you the same way when you're starting a business, when you're starting a family, when you're doing anything that he has called you to pursue and you're pursuing it. He is with you to bless you and to use you to build his kingdom in the same capacity, in the same measure that he's with me to build the church. Right, we, we, the church is not to be like the pinnacle. The church is the people. We're a body to express the kingdom to the culture. Promotion doesn't just look for some of you to be a leader in the church one day. For some of you, you will. But for some of you, divinely, you will not because he wants you to have more capacity to invest out there. We've got to recognize there's so much capacity for creativity. He knows how to use people. He knows how to organize things. He can promote you in an instant when divine favor comes upon your life. I'm tired now. Did you receive that? Do you, are you resonating with that? We need this, we need this, this intellectual cage broken. So that we can be fired up about the upward call of God for you. Right? Instead of just kind of like idolizing the pulpit. I'm just, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. <laughs> I feel like God's like, me too. I don't want a bunch of preachers. <laughs> There'd be no room to talk in heaven. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting woozy. <laughs> you know, so David, Joseph, Daniel were not church leaders. Had no role in the church. No role in the synagogues. 
They were leading in the marketplace. They were leading in culture. God is wanting to give favor to his people in the marketplace. Gosh, that's what I'm dreaming about when the same way people are like, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm just finding my identity. I'm finding healing. I'm home when I'm here at River House on Sunday. I cannot wait until people are like, man, when my kids come and play with your kids at your house, they come home and they talk differently. I've never heard them say words like that. I can't wait for the day they're like, man, when I came into your small business, I just feel like I'm at home. Like, when, I, when I'm in your presence, I just suddenly feel so good about myself. Are you following me? Same DNA that's building the church wants to build the kingdom through you out there in the city. It's kingdom DNA. It's not church DNA. It's kingdom DNA. So I felt like the Lord has just given me a word, one word for this season. And I want to just contextualize what I believe is happening in this season of Riverhouse to put you at ease and to give you permission to really pursue truth with the Holy Spirit. And that word is establishment, establish. Really, I've, it's just been everywhere. I read in the scriptures lately, it's just popping out, establish. And it makes sense in, you know, the, the macroeconomic view and, and the physical sense. Like, we're, one, we're looking for a building. And I'm going to give you an update in a minute on the one that we're pursuing. You know, but we're wanting to physically establish and, and have a home and a land and an anchor point. You know, we've been living out of a suitcase for two years. I'm tired of it. You know, so I'm wanting to establish, and I mean that in that sense. I believe that this is a season of establishment physically, um, but also in the microeconomic, in the personal level, and in the spiritual sense, I believe God is wanting us as a people to, to recognize that the season is to establish. The season is to root and ground ourselves in the grace that is available at Riverhouse, right? What he is pouring out here, the DNA that he's communicating is for you. Right? Um, I don't speak to behaviors very often. I speak to beliefs. God is, I'm trying to articulate this DNA that's producing this, right? And so I'm always just like, okay, hey, Lord, how, how do I speak in such a way that you can glean the beliefs and it can get into you so that you will naturally begin to express it where you're called? Does that make sense? And so we to do this established in root, we have to drink of it. We have to, you know, really get grounded and established in this grace available, right? So instead of saying, you know, how's God going to use me? How does this lead to my fulfillment? That, you know, we can just rabbit trail down all these frustrations, this hopelessness. It's just like, no, 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 Just establish yourself in the grace and trust that if God has given you a desire to be used, which I sure as heck hope he has, I hope you are hungry and yearning for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, he intends to fulfill it. He's going to take care of it. For some of you, it will look like leadership positions within Riverhouse Church. But for most of you, it won't. Praise be to God. Because you know what that means, right? And it's not like, it's not black and white. There's both and and all these things. But I'm just trying to say, instead of just making that this sole anchor point, let's open up to this endless canvas called life where God wants to use you and exalt you, right? This is not a centralized movement. It's a body. And God, you, once you get that DNA, 
boom, it starts happening through you. I know the day's coming when there's going to be so much happening. It already kind of is, but through the people of this church that we're not even going to be able to keep track of it, like a quarter of it. It's going to be like this and that and that and that. Some people are going to pioneer their own things. Create. It's just, it's, it's a people movement. It's when we become big people with the fortitude to steward the way to favor and express it in the kingdom expression in the, in the marketplace, in the world, in the family, in the government, in anywhere he calls us to. Is that good? Okay, I'm going to end it there then. So I just want you to stand. I'm just going to pray for us. And then I'll give a, a little update on the building just so that you're aware. Lord, I thank you for that we are your people called by your name. I thank you, God, that you are yearning to use us in a, a capacity that is even greater than what we've known. It's more than what we can dream of, God. You, there is no limitation. You give the Spirit without measure. And so, God, may we be a people that so wholeheartedly yield to this process of being transformed into the image of Jesus, that Father, you can trust us with anything that you desire, that you can use us to do anything that you would want, God, whether it be the most humbled thing in the world or the most exalted. God, it doesn't matter because we are so consumed with Jesus Christ. We are so inundated with him. We are so formed into his image that you can send us to the least of these or you can send us to kings and it makes no difference. We are simply a yielded vessel that can manifest your kingdom in any situation. God, I thank you for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I thank you, God, for the callings all across this room. I thank you, God, that you're teaching us to grow in favor as a people so that you can use us to do the hundreds and even thousands of different kingdom expressions that are in seed form within the, the hearts of just the ones in this room right now, God. Breathe upon us. Activate them. Draw them forth, God. I ask, Lord, that you will reveal to each one what does the upward call of God look like for them? What are you dreaming over their life, God? Liberate us. Give us permission to break the religious molds and to come into true spiritual understanding of what it means to be your church in the earth today. God, we love you and we bless you in your mighty, mighty name.